as you might can guess, Greg is not here today. He and about 50 other folks from our church are on the spirituality retreat at Caraway Conference Center today, so you get me. We'll see if it's good or bad. Who knows? Um, today I felt a little disjointed. I got here and realized I had bought the daisies for Joshua for the children's time, and they were in my refrigerator at home. So went back home, got those, and so since then I've been just a little off-center, I think. So we'll see if we can get back there. One way to do that is through Scripture, so I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter 126. We're um, working our way through the Psalms in not chronological order or in particularly number order, but we're working through the Psalms this, um, this year. And so today we're going to look at Psalm 126. If you don't have your Bible, there are a few Bibles in front of you, or you might have an electronic device that you'd like to use. So this is a fairly short psalm, only six verses, so let's read it. When the Lord restored the fortunes of a Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like the streams of the Neveg. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. I have a confession to make. I am definitely a city boy. I grew up in Charlotte till I was about 15, but I have farming in my background. My dad's family had a farm up in Yadkin County. Um, They grew tobacco back in the day, and now I think the land grows soybeans. And then my sister has moved up to the family farm, and she's living there now as well. And I remember my mom, even though she lived in High Point, it was back in the day where you could have animals in the backyard, and she told stories about her mom wringing a chicken's neck for dinner. I'm so glad that I have the food line to go to. Not the thing that I want to do. So I got to thinking about this verse here, and it reminded me of an old hymn. And it's really old because I couldn't find it in a hymnal before 1965. You may remember the song, Bringing in the Sheaves. We shall come rejoicing, bring in the sheaves. It's based right here on this verse. Well, as I said, I'm a city boy, so I always thought it was bringing in the sheep. I was wrong, obviously, but it made sense. Jesus was talking about being the shepherd and feeding my sheep and that type of stuff. So bringing in the sheep, bringing in the sheep, you know, it didn't work very well. I learned a lot more about country life when my family moved to Northampton County up in a little town called Rich Square that is all farmland. And then when I was an undergraduate student at ECU, I worked at Piney Grove Baptist Church in farm life community. So I learned a lot about farms and how things worked. That's the church that does the outdoor Easter drama every year. And there were a lot of people who worked in the field till about 10 minutes before the show started and then came in on their tractors and we did the story of Jesus. So I was surprised but learned a lot when with the children at that church, we decided to plant some little flowers. And I thought what would be nice would be morning glories because they bloom, they're easy to grow, they're great stuff. I didn't know that they are considered a weed because they're so invasive. You know how they wrap around everything? If you get morning glories in your field or whatever your crop is, it's a horrible thing. So I learned something about what it means to be part of the world and how one thing may be beautiful. To me, they were beautiful flowers. To somebody else, it's a pest. 
If you look in the first few verses of this scripture, the one and two, it talks about people who were like those who dreamed. Do you have a dream? Do you have something you'd like to do in your life? There's a movie out there called Pretty Woman. It's back in the early 80s, stars um, Julia Roberts, and it's a glorious view of what a prostitute is like. Unfortunately, it's nothing at all like what a prostitute really is. That's a horrible lifestyle to have to go through, but this makes it all glamorous and wonderful and stuff, and it has a happy ending at the end. And at the very end, there's a man walking down the street, and he says, Welcome to Hollywood. What's your dream? Everybody comes here. This is Hollywood, land of dreams. Some dreams come true, some don't, but keep on dreaming. This is Hollywood. Always time to dream, so keep on dreaming. What are you dreaming about? I dreamed when I was a student at ECU that I was going to grow up and be a famous reporter for the Washington Post. My degree was in communication. And then I did a couple of theater things. I said, well, maybe I'll be a star on Broadway. Or maybe, if you were like me a few weeks ago, maybe I'll buy a Powerball ticket and I'll dream of being wealthy. Didn't happen for me. So maybe we should dream of some different things. Maybe we should dream of making a difference. A few years ago, we bought the building down at 1400 Red Banks Road, and we've called it Branches at 1400 now. We were talking about what we could do with that building and how things would work out and all, but there were other stories happening to other people at the same time. One of the groups that I work with here in town is the Magnolia Arts Center, and we had been doing plays there in that building for several years. Can you imagine the fear that happened when the for sale sign came up? Suddenly, we're going, we don't have a home anymore. Where are we going to do our plays? Where are we going to do our things? And I just happened to be on the board of directors for that. So I knew what was happening here at the church with that. And then I'm sitting in a board meeting with folks who are freaking out over what's happening with that building. And I'm like, what can I say? What can I say? What's going to happen? Well, obviously, there were lots of plans for that building. The music academy that was there, they found a new space to continue what they were doing. Magnolia Arts made a partnership with the city and got the old teen center over at the corner of 14th Street. And that's turned out to be a really good place for that group to do their plays and activities and different things that are going on. But all that worry and fear worked out. I think some of the same things happened with us. What are we going to do with this building? How can we pay for this building? How are we going to make all this work? At the end of the service today, we'll have another one of our faithful giving videos. And this week, there are lots of pictures of buildings, not a lot of pictures of people, because we'll have people in other videos. And it's hard to show, and our term today is innovation, it's hard to show that sometimes with people. But you can see it definitely in some of our buildings. You'll see our building here. I remember when this used to be a grass field. The youth group used to play out here before Sunday night activities. Um, we used to have programs for Operation In as much, and we'd have everybody sit out on the grass and that type of stuff. And now we have a sanctuary. The same thing with 1400 Red Banks Road. It changed a lot, and you'll see some pictures there of how that building morphed, even from when we thought about buying it until how it's ended up today and how it's being used. Another thing that you'll see in the video is our community computer center that's down here on our preschool hall. Before I came to work here, I was a teacher at ECU for about 10 years. And one of the things that I did was I ran a computer center 
I actually ran three or four computer centers for the English department. I did the first computerized classroom that there ever was on ECU's campus. And then I taught out at Pitt for several years as well and taught night classes and different things out there. And I often wonder, what happened to my students? Where have they ended up? Well, last week, actually just a couple of days ago, I ran into one of my students at Lowe's. I was walking down the aisle, and a man said, excuse me, did you teach at Pitt? And I'm like, yes. Did you pass? I don't know. And so, you know, a little worried he's going to beat me up or what's going to happen. But turned out that he was a student 20-some years ago, and he recognized me. We were talking about what he was doing now, and he said that he went to school for construction management. And he said one of the classes he took was public speaking, and he barely got a C in that. But guess what he's doing now? He's a trainer where he trains other folks in how to do construction management. So he is up in front of people talking all the time. His dream was not to be a public speaker, but that's what turned out for him. So often our dreams end up changing quite a bit. As I said, I worked on the computer classroom at ECU 20-some years ago, and that was when personal computers were just coming out. I had to teach students what a mouse was. We're talking 18-, 19-year-olds. They didn't know what a mouse was. Now we've got 8-year-olds and 8-month-olds who can do a mouse, it seems like. I had to teach students to move your pointer to the file menu, click and drag down to print, and then I realized I had to say, and let go. Everybody just sat with their button down, like, okay, you got to do this. So I had to learn how to use a computer for this. Well, as I was going along, I went back to Divinity School, and I was getting a little tired of working with the computers, and so I was happy to give that up when the job opportunity came here at Oakmont. The job there took me out of the classrooms a lot. I didn't get to work with students as much as I like to, and so it was a nice transition to come here to work. But guess what I do now? Every Tuesday, I work in the computer center here at the church. That's pretty ironic. God definitely has a sense of humor. I said I didn't want to work with computers, and that's what I end up doing a lot. So God has different dreams than we do sometimes, but they work out pretty well. But do we take our blessings for granted, the tools and the gifts and the opportunities that God gives us? Do we see them as blessings, or do we see them as something else? Joshua talked about in the children's time about he loves me, he loves me not, or she loves me, she loves me not, and how we try to play a game with that. But do we ever wonder if God loves us? Do we ever take a flower and try to pretend he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not? I'd never thought about counting around the petals to make it work out the way you want it, but I think sometimes we try to do that with our lives. We try to make it work out the way we want it, and that may not necessarily be God's plan, and we miss a lot of opportunities. So I want to take a moment and have you look at a video that talks about blessings and what else they could be. So take a moment and watch this video. How quickly our deepest requests, once granted, are absorbed into routine.
he's given a rose and we've seen a weed. He has given a song and we have heard a scream. He has given a joy and we have turned it into toil. He has given a purpose and we have chosen existence. He has given a life and we have lived in death. deepest requests, once granted, are absorbed into routine. How quickly our requests turn to something very different. Do we take or blessings for granted. God loves us. He always does. Do we love Him? Do our actions show that we love God? Do our lives show our love to God in our world? I mentioned that I do a lot of stuff with the Magnolia Arts Center here in town. Um, it's a nice chance to talk to a lot of different people, folks that I don't see here at church all the time. It gives me a different perspective on the world sometimes. In fact, yesterday I was talking with somebody who's looking at going to Appalachian State University, and I mentioned that I lived in Boone. And another person thought maybe I had done the, into the um, Horn in the West, I think is the name of the outdoor drama out there. And I got to tell them that, no, I worked with resort area ministries up there and got to tell them a little bit about what was going on all types of chances to tell your story, to tell my story, to different types of people. Last summer, we did the play Godspell, and I mentioned before that I got to play Judas, the bad guy. Um, but I think he wasn't totally a bad guy. But it was interesting to see how everybody looked at a scripture story that was also a musical, that was also part of our lives. And the lady who was our music director gave us a gift at the end of the show. She gave us each a piece of a shell, and you may not be able to tell that it's got some purple in it. And the note she gave us with it says, the purple of the shell is the strongest part. After all else has eroded, it remains. The purple of the shell is God's love for us. All else in the world may eventually erode, but his love will always remain. I didn't know that about shells. I just thought they were pretty. But it's a nice story, though, to think about that some things are more permanent, just like God's love for that. One of the places we can see that in Scripture is in Isaiah chapter 43. We're going to look at verses 16 through 21. This is just a little bit farther over from Psalm, if you were there before. So chapter 43, starting with verse 16. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, 
who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. God is doing a new thing. Every day he's doing a new thing. What are the new things you might see in your life? What blessings has God given you that you're taking for granted? New comes in many surprising ways. Thinking back to ECU again, one of the classes I taught was children's literature. It was teaching literature mainly to teachers who would eventually teach it to children for that. And so I got to read all types of kids' books. But we still had tests and we still had papers that students had to do because you had to look at it as if you were reading Shakespeare to understand how the stories all went. Well, last week I got to be the guest reader for the Book Buddies. It meets on Monday afternoons and it brings kids here into the church and they work on their reading skills. And I'll do a shameless little plug here. They could use more volunteers. There were probably 12 to 15 kids on Monday and four adults. You can imagine how that ratio works out, trying to work with kids. We also have the Backyard Buddies on Tuesdays, and yes, they can use volunteers as well. And you may think, okay, I can't do that. And there are times I'm sitting there looking at math problems going, I have no clue what the answer is. You know, is there a D, none of the above? Because I just don't get it. But pretty much anybody can read to a kid and help a kid with words as they read to you. So if you've got some time on a Monday afternoon, we'd love to have you come out and help with that. Well, last week, I got to be the guest reader. So I went to my stash of books I had from my children's literature days, and I pulled out one of my favorite books. And it's called Little Blue and Little Yellow. And I thought I'd read it to you today, but then I thought, the pictures are really good, so we're going to put it up on the screen, and I'm going to read it to you that way. So take a moment and listen to the story of Little Blue and Little Yellow. Little Blue and Little Yellow by Leo Leone. This is Little Blue. Here he is at home with Papa and Mama Blue. Little Blue has many friends, but his best friend is Little Yellow, who lives across the street. How they love to play hide and seek, and ring around the rosies. In school, they sit in neat rows. After school, they run and jump. One day, Mama Blue went shopping. You stay home, she said to Little Blue. But Little Blue went out to look for Little Yellow. Alas, the house across the street was empty. He looked here, and there, and everywhere, until suddenly, around the corner, there was Little Yellow. Happily, they hugged each other, and hugged each other, until they were green. 
Then they went to play in the park. They ran through a tunnel. They chased Little Orange. They climbed a mountain. When they were tired, they went home. But Papa and Mama Blue said, You're not our Little Blue, you are green. And Papa and Mama Yellow said, You are not a Little Yellow, you are green. Little Blue and Little Yellow were very sad. They cried big blue and yellow tears. They cried and cried until they were all tears. When they finally pulled themselves together, they said, Will they believe us now? Mama and Papa Blue were very happy to see the Little Blue. They hugged and kissed him. And they hugged Little Yellow too. But look, they became green. Now they knew what had happened. So they went across the street to bring the good news. They all hugged each other with joy and the children played until supper time. The end. The copyright date on that is 1959. Right now, if Little Blue and Little Yellow had disappeared and Little Green showed up, we'd have the cops out and neighborhoods watch and all types of things happening. But these were simpler times when children played in the park and they sat in neat rows in the school and they hugged each other. You know, I like the lines at the end where it says, you're not our little blue, you're green. You're not our little yellow, you're green. And they didn't know what to do with something that was different. I think today we have trouble figuring out what do we do with somebody who's different, or a situation that's different, or somebody who thinks differently. But once they hugged, they said, and they saw, we are all green and they understood what was going on. Another one of my childhood heroes is Kermit the Frog. I grew up watching Sesame Street and the Muppets, and I just remember that Kermit's theme song is, it's not that easy being green. He says, it's not that easy being green, having to spend each day the color of the leaves, when I think it could be nicer being red or yellow or gold, or something much more beautiful like that. It's not easy being green. It seems you blend in with so many other ordinary things. And people tend to pass you over because you're not standing out like flashy sparkles in the water or stars in the sky. But green's the color of spring. And green can be cool and friendly-like. And green can be big like the ocean or important like a mountain or tall like a tree. When green is all there is to be, it could make you wonder why. But why wonder? Why wonder? I am green, and it'll do fine. It's beautiful, and I think it's what I want to be. Are you being called to be green? Are you being called to hug someone, to see something different and make something new? What is God calling you to do? What blessings has God given you? What water has he brought to you in the desert? What things has he provided for you to make your life work? And what are the things you need to ask God for to make your life better? What does God want you to be? And why aren't you being that? Jesus said to Peter, Do you love me? 
And he said, if you do, then feed my sheep. Are you bringing in the sheep? Are you doing what God's called you to do? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we are thankful for all the talents that you've given us, all the abilities that we have. We thank you for helping us to see what is good around us. But we also realize that you're with us when things aren't so good and things are tough and the world is cruel and we've lost sight of things. We pray that you'll offer that comfort to us and to those in our world who just don't feel it. Help us show them what love is all about. Help us show them what it means to be green and to live our lives for you. It's in your Son's name who showed us all these things. Amen.